Thank you, Father. Greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. Please open our hearts to hear your ministry. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems you, your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. That portion, of course, as you know, coming from the 103rd Psalm. Now, I want to tell you a little story, if I may. It's late Thursday night of Passion Week. It's the last week in Jesus' earthly life. Tomorrow, he's going to die. But tonight, 
He's in with the 11 in the quietness of the upper room. Can you see that room? It has been so carefully prepared. But now, at the disciples' elbows, only the leftover of the meal remains. Can you see the fragments of the broken bread, the dregs in the cup? Look there at the end of the table, the unfinished morsel that Jesus, that Judas just could not stomach. And there in the corner, it's a bowl of cloudy water and a very dirty towel. Judas has already made his way into the night, black and starless, to betray his Lord. Outside, the tide of hostility and animosity is rising to a full hatred. Tomorrow, its waves will crash in on that small band of men and almost destroy them. But tonight, they're together. Jesus and his disciples. And to them, he opens his heart. Now, what I've just read to you is an introduction to uh, Reuben Welch's book, We Really Do Need to Listen. Uh, I've been speaking with Reuben over the holidays. He's 97 years old, living in La Jolla, and uh, he has given uh, us his blessing to use his books in our Thursday night uh, small group uh, meetings. Uh, and I hope that he doesn't mind if I steal some of his stuff this morning. Uh, this particular study uh, begins uh, in the uh, 13th chapter of John, and I feel led to uh, spend a little time with that portion of Scripture today. Let's just kind of review what's happened here uh, in this part of the, of the farewell discourse. Jesus had washed the feet of the disciples, and now he's taken with a, 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 almost a sense of depression. He's, uh, he's troubled. The word says he's troubled in spirit. He washes the feet, and then he's troubled in spirit. And uh, because he announces that there's a betrayer among them, and that troubles him. The word says that troubled him in his spirit. Now, the disciples look at each other. Well, who can that be? And of course, Peter, 
he looks over and he sees John leaning on Jesus and he motions to him, ask him, ask him, find who's the betrayer? And so John whispers in the ears of Jesus, who is it, Lord? Who is it? And Jesus whispers back, it's the one that I'm going to give this morsel to. He's the one. So Jesus gives Judas the morsel, and uh, then Judas departs. Jesus told him, what you're going to do, do quickly. And he took off. At that point, did Jesus then, look at the scriptures, the scripture tells Jesus then, we might call it, he cut to the chase. He began to deal with the 11 and to give them his last will and testament. Uh, he, uh, it, it begins here in uh, the ch 13th chapter of John and uh, at uh, verse 31, and it runs through chapter 14. That's where he says, begins to say goodbye. So let me turn to that. Uh, the 13th chapter and the 31st verse, if I can find it here. Uh, when therefore he had gone out, that is Judas, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Now, Jesus continues his farewell, and it's a powerful farewell. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, I now say to you also, where I am going, you can't come. Now, having announced that, Jesus moves on to talk about a new commandment. But Peter's not listening. All Peter is hearing is going, going, going. Where is he going? What does he mean going? So Jesus continues, a new commandment I give to you. And Peter's thinking, going, he's going. That you love one another, even as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, Jesus says, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But Peter's not hearing that. Peter's thinking about what he said earlier. He's going. And all of a sudden, Peter just cannot contain himself. 
after Jesus says, tells them about the new, the new old commandment, uh, Peter burst out, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow later. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I say to you, a cock will not crow until you deny me three times. Uh, Jesus was fully aware of Peter's impending failure, wasn't he? He knew how this impetuous disciple would conduct himself later on in the early hours of that morning. So let's fast forward just a, a little bit and let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at Peter after his rash promise. I'd die for you. Why can't I go? Now, at first blush, it looks like that Peter might just be able to back up his claim of loyalty, doesn't it? When they came to arrest Jesus, he drew out a sword, we all know the story, and cut off that fellow's ear. Now, obviously, that's not what Jesus had in mind. Put the sword away. You know, maybe Jesus picked up the ear. I don't know how he healed it, but he did. So, they arrest Jesus. And Peter follows them into the courtyard. And in that courtyard, something happened to Peter. Remember the servant girl, John records, hey, you're one of those guys. And Peter says, I am not. And he sees Jesus being mistreated. They're slapping him and finally they take him away to Caiaphas. And the men around the fire tell Peter, ah, you're one of those guys. You were with him. For the second time, Peter said, no, I am not. And then the third time, the relative of the man who lost his ear, he identified him as a disciple and Peter denied it. At that point, that rooster crowed. And that's how John recorded Peter's failure. Well, let's look, let's look at Matthew's account. The servant girl accused him of being a disciple and he says, according to Matthew, 
I don't know what you mean. Then someone from the crowd said, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter said, I'm telling you, I don't know the man. Somebody from the crowd said, no. <coughs> Pardon me. Your accent, you're a Galilean, is giving you away. And here Matthew records in this third denial, Peter let loose with a string of profanity. It's a stream of ugly words. I'm telling you, I don't know the man. Blankety, blankety, blank. And with that, Peter went out and wept bitterly, according to Matthew. Well, what did Mark see or say? The servant girl to Peter, you're one of them. Peter, first denial, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. I don't know what you mean. The servant girl said to the crowd, uh, he's one of them. Peter says, no, again, it's not me. Then bystanders accused Peter of being a disciple. And here, again, he invoked, the word said, a curse on himself and swore, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And then he broke down and wept. Now, this is the man, as we know, who had said just a few hours earlier, why can't I go with you? I'll die for you. Well, look what Luke wrote. The servant girl beside the fire said, you were with him. You're one of them. Peter said, woman, I do not know him. Can you understand that? And someone else accused Peter. Peter said, man, I am not one of them. Then for the third time, somebody accused Peter. And look at this. Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. While he was speaking that, that's when the rooster crowed, just as he was denying the third time. And look what Luke recorded at that point. Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine that? Can you? Peter has just denied him the third time, and Jesus turned as the rooster was crowing and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word says, and he went out and wept bitterly. No doubt about it. Brothers and sisters, Peter failed miserably. And 
That failure forces some questions for us today. Look at it this way. Did Peter want to fail? No. Did he intend to fail? No. Did Peter think he was going to fail? No. Did Peter mean what he said when he said what he said? Yeah, he meant it. I'll die for you. Did Peter mean to fulfill what he said? Absolutely, yes. Was Peter sincere? Yes. But, however, did Peter fail? Yeah. Did he want to fail? No. Did Peter really love Jesus? Oh, yeah. He did. Did he deny Jesus? Yep. He did. Did he want to deny Jesus? No. Then why did he? Why did he? That's the question, isn't it? Well, the answer is in Jesus' Jesus response uh, to, uh, to Peter. Fully aware of Peter's impending failure. He knew it. Fully aware of Peter's impending failure. He called him, Peter, to renewed faith in the Father and in himself. Knowing that Peter was going to fail, Jesus called him to new faith in the Father and in himself. Move past that last verse in the third, 13th chapter and go to the 14th chapter and take that 14 out of there. It's not part of the original. And just take the next verse and move it right on up into that conversation. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times, but let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, folks, those are beautiful words. Uh, they're often used in the context of a funeral, huh? You believe in God, believe also. I've used it myself at funerals. Uh, but Jesus did not utter those words in the context of a funeral. He gave us those words 
in the context of a failure. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That's what he said to Peter. Knowing of his impending colossal failure. So this morning, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if maybe Jesus isn't telling me the same thing that he told Peter. In the full and continued reality of my human failure and inadequacy, and it's real, in the face of my inability to fulfill my hopes and dreams and rash promises, Jesus calls me to new faith in the Father and new faith in Him, in my failures. Like Peter, I know what it means to make rash promises. And you know that I know what it means to make rash promises and declare absolute goals. And I know what it means to fail. I know that. I know what that feels like. But I also need to know, and some of you might too, I also need to know that the way out of my failure is not more promises, not more unreachable goals, but more looking away from myself looking away from myself, and more looking to God. More trust in our Father, and more faith in Jesus. That's what I need during my times, my abundant failures. More trust in the Father, and more faith in Jesus. That's what he's teaching Peter. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's the word of Jesus himself to us. Now, if we had time, and maybe the next time, I think I'm coming back on the 30th, I may pick back up on this in the 14th chapter. There are three more interruptions. Peter interrupted him, Jesus, with where are you going? I'll follow you if I have to die. Well, after Jesus dealt with Peter, then uh, uh, Thomas spoke up and interrupted the Lord. And he said uh, something like this, Lord, you're going, okay, but... Show us the way. Jesus turned to him and said, show you the way. I am the way. 
And if you take that Greek word that has been translated the way, it also can be translated the road. So he tells him, I'm the way. I'm the road under your feet. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, Peter interrupts, Thomas interrupts, and then Philip interrupts. Lord, just show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus turned to him and said, Philip, 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 have I been with you so long? Have you seen me for so long, and you have to ask me to show you the Father? Don't you know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And then the last interruption in this beautiful passage, in the 14th chapter, you've got Judas, not Iscariot, interrupts Jesus with, Lord, <clears throat> how are you going to manifest yourself to us? Which really means, how does Jesus make himself real to us? Uh, well, the bottom line to that, that maybe we'll discuss next time, is obedience. Jesus makes himself real to us when we obey. Not so much worried about what I don't understand in the Word. What really does grab my attention are the things that I do understand. And my obedience to that makes Jesus real. Well, I'm thankful for those interruptions to Jesus' last will and testament to his disciples. And in our small group, I will we'll, uh, continue. Uh, I'll leave you with one thought from Reuben. He said, uh, you know, there's no relationship that can continue without, listen to it, no relationship can continue without silent acts of forgiveness repeated over and over and over, not in the context of a formal asking, but freely given. I wonder if that's how Jesus was thinking when he was telling Peter, believe in God, believe also in me. Maybe, maybe that's how the Lord deals with us a lot, with silent acts of forgiveness repeated over and over and over, not in the context of a formal asking, but freely given. I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful for those multitudinous acts of forgiveness as we have just seen. Brothers and sisters, will you please stand and I'm going to ask Brother Steve to uh, come, pray, and dismiss us to our homes. Father, thank you so much for this great work from your word, from your servant. Apply, Father, to our hearts and lives. Father, apply your grace. Apply what we have heard. We thank you for Brother Bill. Bless him, bless the small group, bless the folk who gather here. We pray for our pastor, we pray for him and for his family today. We know that you are speaking with our pastor and leading him and directing him. Father, we are excited about our church. We are excited about what you are doing through our pastor, through our leadership team. Thank you, Father, for using for the bill today. Bless us as we go our way. Watch over and protect. We pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.